to Watching the Tudors. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And this is the show where we go back and watch the Tudors and talk about the history behind the drama. And just as the backstory, I have another podcast, the Renaissance English History Podcast, which I started in 2009. And I thought it would be fun to go back and watch the Tudors with somebody who has never known anything about 16th century England. And we can talk about what's real and what's not. And that's you. I thought it could be fun to learn about this subject that's so interesting to my wife by watching an entertaining television show, which is right up my alley. No books needed or or anything. (laughs) So I'm learning a lot and I, I can see the intrigue. Awesome. You know what I remembered is that for my birthday in 2009, I think it was, you bought me a DVD set of the Tudors. Wow. I just remembered that. I have no idea. Yeah, you did. And you also took me to Olive Garden that day. That's something. Yeah. And we stopped at the mall and I got something at the Bare Minerals counter at Sephora. My memory is (laughs) so horrible. Uh, Yeah. So we have a a history of the Tudors together. How cool. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's our introduction. Uh, To learn more about us and about my other podcast, you can go to watchingthetutors.com. And also just a quick reminder, we are now officially part of the Agora Podcast Network. So please also go to the agorapodcastnetwork.com to check out all of the great podcasts in that network. My other podcast is also in there, but there's a lot of really great stuff to listen to. So check that out for more on history and humanities. And I'm, I'm moving up in the world yeah, right? to feel important. And also really important, if you like this show, please go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. It really helps new people find the show. And I think that that is it. We'll just go right into this is season two, episode two, and it's called Tears of Blood. And there's a lot of stuff happening. And we didn't give our little... Uh, Oh, like disclaimer that yeah. we're going to talk about things that happen in future episodes and spoiler alert. Yeah, just just in the future. So, you know, watch the episode before you listen to this. And also, if you're not like totally up on Tudor history, you may hear about things that happen in future episodes slash in the you know later history of all of this story. Exactly. So so, so be warned. <laughs> That's the spoiler alert. OK, let's go right into your questions. All right. So did people play with cards? Like at the beginning, she has someone's, you know, doing something nefarious with cards. Yeah, no, for sure. Playing cards actually came from China. They go way back, like prehistory, like thousand and couple thousand years. They're actually Persian as well, like India, Persia, China, all kinds of stuff there. Yeah. And they came into Europe through the Iberian Peninsula, where Mm. we live, through the Moors. So they came around the second half of the 14th century. Mm -hmm. They came into Europe and uh, that they would have played with playing cards. Yes. And they looked very similar to ours and had very similar games as ours. That's cool. Yeah. And so then there was like, I guess, is it Parliament? Yes. So they were having a vote of some sort. Like Mm -hmm. what, What was... What so was that? this is, again, that we talked last time about the Reformation Parliament, which is this parliament that sat during this time period, and they are known as the Reformation Parliament. And they're the ones who voted all of these reforms through. And what they're doing here is naming Henry the supreme head of the Church of England. So no longer is the Pope the head. Henry is the head of the Church of England. It's saying we have our own church in England and Henry's the head. Okay. So that's what's that's all going on there. Mm-hmm. 
And then Catherine, did she keep sending him gifts as, yeah. as alluded to? Yeah, she did. Poor girl. Yeah. Lady. Well, I mean, you could say that or you could also say it was calculating, but. I'm saying it. Yeah. I know you, you've made some comments. I have a soft spot for Catherine and I don't like that Anne girl. I know you're, I haven't even checked the notifications on the Facebook page because I don't want to see. The, the, the vitriol? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it. No, don't bring it because I have to read that stuff. (laughs) I just want you to know this is him talking. It's all directed at me. Yes. This is not influenced by anything but my own opinion. Okay. Based on a a dramatic television show produced in. Because, you know, I would like to remind you that Catherine had ample opportunities to have a really great life. And she was already in menopause. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that Catherine's bad either. I'm just trying to say that, like, to be fair, these people were all humans. They all were going through their thing. She could have had a really great life living in a nunnery where she could have prayed all day because that's what she was into, could have still had her daughter with her, could have still been Henry's friend, could have still had all of the all of the titles and everything that she wanted, but she would, but the one that she was going to have to give up was being queen, mm-hmm. and she did not want to give that up. And even the, years that's after... That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Even years after she realized that it, she wasn't going to win this one, she's mm-hmm. sending him gifts. Yep. And you could say... I, I could say that could she was say. in love with Henry, and Henry could have spent his life with a woman who was dedicated to him who had a daughter with him who ended up being the queen anyways no, yeah okay yeah and yeah. like they could have lived happily ever after and it would have been but really if he nice. would have done that elizabeth the first queen elizabeth never would have become yeah well i don't know anything about what you're talking about because we haven't gotten that far <laughs> in, the, in the story so right okay okay all right apparently there's an elizabeth one day of course you know that elizabethan shakespeare okay well, yeah no, okay I, I don't know okay i don't know anything all right I'm being yeah. honest. No, I okay. understand. You, so, you, he really is being honest. I really don't. <laughs> you no, know, he really is. I don't remember when I bought you for the day I bought you the DVD set. So yeah, never mind. Somebody wrote an Ancient iTunes history. review that you must be faking how no, I'm, how dumb you are about I'm, this. I'm I'm really good at math. I'm not kidding. I'm really good with computers. History. I'm just pretty stupid. Like, yeah. So le- Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth beat the Spanish Armada. Shakespeare. Our Spanish Armada was boats. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you. I got nothing. I'm with it. Okay, so we have a... <laughs> I'm not pretending. You hate Anne Boleyn, and, and you love and I, Catherine. And I feel bad for Catherine. Onwards. Sweet Catherine. Oh, stop it. So, <laughs> so Henry, like, being against the clergy, is this seriously all for his divorce? Like, Well, okay, I mean, let's talk about Does he really that. have... Okay. Kings throughout history, throughout English history especially, have wanted to find ways to get around the clergy Mm -hmm. because the church was the largest landowner in England Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of money there. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of corruption. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that, I think, with all of their um, saying that they had uh, all of the relics and stuff like that, that if you had all the pieces of the true cross and put them on a pile, (laughs) it 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 just in England. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I think that kings often were frustrated by this. And I think that Henry, you know, he was a good son of the church. He saw himself as a good son of the church. And if this had never happened with Anne, he would have probably gone to his grave being a good son of the church. And he really saw himself that way. Now, with that said, suddenly seeing that there were perhaps some opinions that would suit him, 
kind of gave him different colored glasses. It wasn't yeah. necessarily just about the divorce. But. Right. And then he suddenly saw that, you know, maybe his father left him a lot of money in the treasury was packed full when he first inherited. But he had some unsuccessful wars with France. He built a navy. He did a lot of refurbishments to palaces. He was kind of running out of money. So to suddenly say, oh, look, here's an opportunity to get something from the largest and, you know, the church didn't pay taxes to him. They paid to the Pope. So I think that started to influence him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And then, you know, they had the party and the guy was saying, you know, this party kind of sucks. Was Henry kind of ruining court like yeah. with all of this drama going around no and you i think your next question about is like did the government shut down and all that kind no, of no just stuff just or... further is he kind of ruining the country like with yeah. all of this drama no not really i mean it's true that government work kind of stopped like everything was devoted to him other than the absolute necessities uh-huh. of, of anything um but it, you know I, Anne had her own shadow court so there were still ladies around people were vying for you know what once it became clear that Anne was going to be queen you know she had her own household and she had her own ladies in waiting and everything like that so um you know I, there it wasn't like that there was this boring court okay so um it wasn't yeah. just in shambles or something no all right there was a lot of drama i mean talk about like I was just watching The Bachelorette because that's my guilty pleasure. And they were talking about the drama in the house. I can only imagine the drama at the court between yeah. people choosing and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you're going to go work for Anne while she's, you know, what you think about yeah. her and mm-hmm. all of the, Yeah, so. And other people jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. They can smell what's cooking. Exactly. All right. Next question, Anne and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Like, are the rumors true? I mean, I know you don't have inside knowledge but like yeah can you shed some light it's been a rumor that has persisted for a long time and it's there's no actual evidence that they were anything other than you know courtly love that there was actually ever any kind of a physical relationship Mm -hmm. now it's very possible that he looked at her from afar and had crushes on her and he was one of the people who was accused of adultery with her once were in the future and once she was accused of adultery he was one of the people that was accused of of committing adultery but he actually was the only one that wasn't found guilty yeah you're saying he he like actually made it through exactly head yeah he kept his head i think that if he would have yeah that probably there was even like a sliver of a doubt like okay yeah so but i do think that he probably had a crush on her and probably would have liked to and that part is probably quite true so Cranmer? Thomas Cranmer, yeah. Cranmer. Was he the envoy to the emperor, as was sort of mentioned? Yeah, he he actually did become an ambassador to the emperor. Um, yeah, so that part's true. And does he, I'm guessing he ends up dying, like... It seems like a tough spot to put to put a guy like that. Well, I'll tell you what, he he does die, but it's not under Henry. He dies under Mary Tudor. Uh-huh. She, of course, was raised Catholic, so once she becomes queen, she has got a lot of beef with the Protestants. And he's kind of and like the guy he's who the one who started it if you he's the one who that. put all of this into motion yeah. and gave us so he was Public on her enemy number one. He was on her shit list for sure. Yeah. He sh- he should be worried. Yes, he should. Did Anne really want Brandon banished? So there's a lot of beef between the Boleyns and Brandon that started around this time. And there's actually a lot of articles 
and books written about like why did they have fights with each other and stuff like that there's a couple of reasons why they might have to start with Brandon was super close to Henry he grew up with Henry and you know Anne could have been quite jealous of this person and you know she probably would have wanted him to like her but it became clear that you know Brandon is married to Henry's sister who herself was the Queen of France and so they don't take this whole putting aside the queen thing lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, she still has, she, well, she was the queen of France. She, the sister never supported Anne Boleyn, never, ever. She made it really, really clear. She left court and she said, and yeah, so that, that's part of that. And I think Charles Brandon probably would have been on her side and probably also respected the queen and Catherine and thought that, you know, who is this upstart and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff as well. And there might've been some jealousy between Anne and Charles Brandon over Henry's attentions. Yeah. So there was, there were a lot of different levels to that. And and Brandon makes it through like all of it, right? Yes. So in the end, who who wins, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So Anne found the cards on her table. Yes. you mentioned that was a, a, a thing. That really happened, that really yeah. Happened. Mm-hmm. And she said... It was, a, it was like mm-hmm. a drawing or something like that, I think. Or something like yeah. that. And she said, like, oh, there's a book of prophecy about whatever. Like, mm-hmm. what is that a term? Is that a thing? Well, like, you know, prophecies at this time were... It was a really big thing. One thing, for example, it was actually illegal to draw up the horoscope of the king because it was illegal to think about the king's death. Uh-huh. But people were constantly drawing up prophecies or drawing up horoscopes and reading the prophetic books of the Bible. So it was really popular to read revelations. And people thought they were in the end times. People always thought they were in the end times. Like, you know, mm-hmm. now people think they were in the end yeah. times. That's been going on for like a long time that people thought. And, Can I just say real quick, uh-huh. like, it's amazing. I know you've said this and like historians are always arguing about how you know history repeats itself. And if you want to understand what's going on now, like it's yeah. under- important to understand what's going on then. It's like really amazing to me how parallel things are like similar mm. like right mm-hmm. now like you know I was just I was just thinking about the the United States situation with the with the government and how like the the media isn't trusted and it seems like you know you can draw a parallel between the monarchy and the White House and the clergy and the media because they're mm-hmm. like the dispellers of like you know information and mm-hmm. holders of sort of influential power over the masses and mm-hmm. others sort of tension between the two the yeah. two groups and and then like you were just saying about prophecy like it was illegal to think about the king's death and like even now it's still a law like you can't say that you're gonna hurt the president or mm-hmm. whatever and mm-hmm. it's just it's just interesting that like we're so far removed from that in years yeah but like there's still these sort of traditions and even though yeah. it's like a totally different setup it's mm-hmm. like we don't have kings and monarchs anymore yeah. but like it's just it's very interesting to me i'm starting yeah. to see the, the well, truth you know... in that um And it's interesting. One of the things, actually, somebody just commented on my Facebook page on Renaissance English History Podcast about that they've started being like me and being interested in the life of everyday people and everyday lives. And so the thing about the Tudors and what I want to do out of this is like the show is there's lots of drama. It's like watching The Bachelor and, you know, there's all the drama and the soap opera and stuff of it. But, you know, beyond that, these are real people and this is, these are real humans and these are people whose lives are affected. And not only that, but like this show is like basically watching celebrity apprentice or like, you know, celebrity real world or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't 
how everyday people lived. But I'm fascinated about how everyday people lived because the thing is we have different packaging on our issues now. So like mm-hmm. I've packaging around distractions with Facebook or, you know, whatever your particular thing is. Mm-hmm. But the problems are still the same. The issues mm-hmm. are still the same and they have been and they always will be. And they're the same that Ovid wrote about and to, you know, thousands of years ago. And they're the same 500 years ago. And, and it's like just different packaging. And that's what I really love because I feel like understanding those things, it's a little bit easier from a distance. Like you can, I don't know about you because you seem to really hate Amblin, but I think that it's easier to look at somebody that you might disagree with 500 years ago and kind of empathize a little bit and understand where they were coming from because you don't have the emotion that mm-hmm. you have now. Yeah. But I think that that's the next logical step, right? So you could, for example, practice your empathy skills and start to really get into Anne Boleyn's head mm-hmm. and figure out why she was doing stuff, yeah. right? And once you do that, you're not actually that far away removed from looking at somebody that you really disagree with politically now like right now yeah. and being able to say, okay, well, you know, maybe this, this, and this. And so that's why I always say that studying history is like all about connecting yourself more deeply to humanity. And I feel like that's, that's why you do this stuff. Like that's why we read about this stuff and why it still fascinates us because it's just different packaging, but it's all the same. Humanity is the same. All the same stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's my... That's your thing. That's your my... Spiel. Um, that's my unsolicited speech. So back to this. Brandon really got kicked out of court ag- yeah. again. Yeah. Well, I like think the there were times time. when he left and he was kicked out. And they're they're collapsing a whole lot of different time periods here with relation to him. He had a weird relationship there for a while with Henry and with Anne. Okay. So, so. they're just sort of painting the, the strange back and forth exactly. relationship. George... Rock Martin is that his uh-huh. name? Who's who's this guy? He I was... guess we're going to learn more about him later. Well, but... I don't know actually that we will. I I think he was later involved in the Pilgrimage of Grace actually, so we might. Um, but he was he was a, a a minor nobility guy who I think his father had served with Henry the Seventh, and later on his fam his family actually still his descendants still have the family name and the family seat and everything like that in England and. He he was just a Catholic who was in favor of Catherine, and I think later on he would start to do some work with rebels, and he, the Throckmorton plot was later on involving Mary, Queen of Scots, decades later, so his family stays involved in this for a little bit, but I don't know that he himself will. He does a whole lot. Okay. And then... The friar at the church. Yes. Like, did that, was that a, like a real thing where he, like yeah. someone called out Henry kind of in front of everyone? Yeah, actually there were a lot of different things going on like this at that time. There was a very famous woman called the Maid of Kent, uh, Elizabeth Barton, who d- said she had visions and prophecies. She said that if Henry put aside Catherine, he wouldn't live for six months after. There were prophecies that dogs would drink Henry's blood which actually incidentally did happen because after he died his body exploded in the coffin and dogs drank his blood there you go yeah well I okay so that did actually happen um and so you know there there were a lot of um it there were a lot of preachers doing things like this and then the other way around too um like Anne would use preachers to her benefit by wanting to have people, you know, yeah, preach sermons her, about how, her way. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we look at like talking head pundits on cable news, for example, to make an analogy again about like the US. And I think it's interesting because it's like that would be the pundits of the time. Mm -hmm. So cool. Now we're going to take a tiny little break and we'll be Ah. back right on the other side. Yeah. We're taking our commercial break. Thank you. Okay. Good reminder. See you in a few seconds. Okay. And we're back. So my next question is kind of about more mm-hmm. Thomas Thomas More, yes. just in general. Like you know, when I was watching, I was thinking, oh man, he's he's like really not living his truth. But then you know, the next scene is like he's asking mm-hmm. for to be dismissed or whatever yeah. you want to say. Like, did he really like request to be let go, if you will? And, yeah, he resigned. And he was he was allowed to resign. It wasn't like yeah, and. He actually resigned on this. It was like right around the time that they voted him to be the head, the supreme head of the church, as far as the law of God allows. And he resigned like right after that. So it was seen. He's like, I don't want any part of this. And it was it was a blow to Henry because it was really public. I mean, like we see more in the context of his role with Henry, Mm -hmm. but more was famous throughout Europe as a humanist and you know writing Utopia and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So what he said mattered. And so him stepping down, like especially being made the head, like yeah, really said something right the day after whatever. It was really it was a blow to Henry. Yeah. And he eventually got killed, huh? Yeah, he wouldn't take the oath of the supremacy, the recognizing that uh, Catherine's marriage was invalid and that Anne was the valid queen. He wouldn't take the oath of that. I guess the oath of succession, something like that. And uh, he is a man of, of what his his word kind of like he really stands up or his, his virtues. Or... Yeah. 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 That's something. Yeah. I don't. I I think I just say okay whatever don't (laughs) don't kill me you know it's funny because that reminds me of during the later on decades later when people were policing your worship in in churches uh, they would put these little holes up in the roofs where people would um, peek through and watch parishioners to see what they were doing because some people would actually cross their fingers when they were saying prayers because they were actually Catholics and it was like Protestant prayers or something like that. And so they would be on the lookout for people who would cross their fingers behind their back, showing that they were just saying the prayer, but they didn't actually mean it. And so that was something you just reminded me of that. That's something that is just, it's just, yeah, to me, it's just crazy. I get a different time. Um, But it goes on today with the, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with the, you know, the Middle East and people killing each other for religion and Sunni versus Shia. And it's like, yeah, it's still, I still think it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy back then. It's crazy. Now it's just kind of, yeah, that's a, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. King Francis of France. Mm -hmm. I like his name, like Francis of France. Yeah. But it was Francois. Francois of Francois, whatever. (laughs) He just seems to like make everyone happy. Like he's like signing treaties with this person, signing treaties with that person. Oh, Bring Anne on over. We'll have a big party and welcome her, even though the rest of the world is not hip with this. And yeah. He's like Mr. Friendly. Well, he found himself in a really interesting position here because a lot of t- it was this interesting triangle that was going on with foreign policy that was always shifting 
because it's France, the Empire, and England. And it was like this constant in the 16th century. You constantly saw this people going back and forth and like which which one's the odd one out. And Henry tried to break away with that, break away from that when he married Anne of Cleves and get the, some of the German states on his side and bring mm-hmm. them into it. But they just weren't big enough. So those were like the main three superpowers, right? And so it was like figuring out um, playing each other off of each yeah. other. And in the, at and this he point, was kind of in the middle because well, like England yeah, and, and Spain funny are just like enemies. Other, place, other times in history, Henry was in the middle because mm-hmm. like very early on, the empire, his father-in-law, Ferdinand, was at total war with France and Henry was mm-hmm. the one in the middle and could choose like where he wanted to be. And mm-hmm. so here, Francis is in the middle. He's at just that positioning point. himself. Kind yes. Of. Also, I want to say, because the mic might be picking it up, we live out in the countryside and there's a lot of dogs barking. So if you hear that, that's... Yes, yeah, so, sorry, sorry for all the dogs. No, we'll leave the window open, but I just wanted to tell people. We don't, like, live in a kennel. We just live, <laughs> no, in the country. We just live close to a kennel, it seems. Smeaton, the violin player. Yes. I think we already mentioned this, but he, he dies, huh? Yeah, he does. He needs, he needs to quit making eyes at Anne, like, right in front of Henry. Like, yeah. Playing his violin, giving, giving little eyes. Yeah. He's just, he's treading in dangerous water. And he would, uh, I think guy. he would ultimately confess to adultery with Anne. Dude, play your violin for someone else. <laughs> right. It's interesting, though, like how much you have to watch that, right? Like, is it Anne didn't ask to have him come to, you know, Mm-mm. and suddenly yep. like other people saying things yep. can affect you. Yeah. yeah. So, I, OK, I was really confused. Like Cromwell and Boleyn had that conversation where the, the dad, dad Boleyn mm-hmm. says, is it Thomas? Or... Yes, they're both Thomases. OK, Thomas Boleyn says... You know, hey, I to Thomas Cromwell. Yeah, like, what's what's your deal? And he says, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to change, reform the church. I want to dismantle the whole thing, or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And you know, Boleyn says, oh, I think we understand each other. So I, I just, I was confused. Like, do they like each other? Do they not like each other? Are they on the same side? Yeah, I think I'm they're on the same side. And the at thing. this point, that it's still heretical and it will remain heretical to talk about completely dismantling the church like that. But Cromwell was the architect of the dissolution of the monasteries Mm -hmm. and he's the one who's responsible largely for the church, you know, for breaking down the the monastic orders in England. So, so it was almost like, like they were both getting that they were both on the same side, but they couldn't really talk about it. So they were just kind of like, Oh, wink, wink. Yeah. All right, I see where you stand, and yes. this is where I stand, but I can't actually say it. So. Exactly. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Cromwell ends up getting killed too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not for a little while, though. He outlives mm-hmm. Anne. He actually is the architect of Anne Boleyn's downfall as well. Man. So in in the end, he's he's they're not friends. Him and Boleyn, Tom, Thomas Boleyn. Well, Thomas Boleyn survives all of that because he kind of. Turns on his daughter. Throws him, throws her under the bus. Sounds yeah. about right. He's 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 a pretty conniving dude. Yeah. All right. Was Anne truly made the Marquess of Pembroke, yes. and she really received? I mean, maybe not an exact number, but like a yeah. hundred thousand pounds ton. a year. Yep. Wow. Well, it was lands worth that, right? So he okay. ennobled her, and that's one of the the privileges of being a king is that you have all of the land and you can give it, and that's why. One of the reasons Henry wanted that the church is the largest landowner, right? But once Henry can take some of that land back, he can give it to people, sell it to people, create friends because he's suddenly giving all this yeah. land to people. Give it to so. French people to make friends with them. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So on to the jewels. Yes. Like to me. I know you hate Anne Boleyn. 
whatever. I just <laughs> the whole situation. I, I get it's. I mean, I get it's like. It's not like she can just step out of the situation now. Uh, so I, I get yeah. it's not all her. I mean, yeah. she, you know, she's she's in too deep at this point, and you yeah. just gonna get to go with things. But to me, it just seems really kind of like like gross, almost like to be wearing like Catherine's jewels. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know they're not Catherine's, but the Queen of England's. But just I don't. It just like I wouldn't even want. Like I'd want to put them away. Like I, I'm a different person, but just yeah. It's just, like, do you think Anne felt kind of victorious, like, getting those? I think more than anything. So you have to remember, by this point, there's been speculation that she's his whore, Mm -hmm. that she's his mistress. I see. So it's almost like a validation of, of, okay. And she she wasn't. She Mm -hmm. wasn't doing, you know, she was, she, she, and half of the court thinks she's the great whore. And that he's just, and also because he slept with her sister, mm-hmm. and so he's just going to sleep with her and then leave her. And it's been five years of her, more than that, like, you know, five, six years of her growing older, not being able to make a marriage, not being able to have children, not being able to do any of that stuff because her life is just in freaking limbo. And meanwhile, everybody's saying all this crap about her. And finally, she gets the jewels of the Queen of England. I mean, to me, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to wear those I things. get that. I mean, looking at it like that, I understand. Yeah. It still just seems... It's funny. like suddenly she's seen, like, yeah, all you people who said all this crap about me and mm-hmm. all this stuff that I've been spending my life, like, waiting for, you know, yeah. it's suddenly all starting to happen for it just her. It seems like she's proud of stealing someone's man. I don't know. I don't like it. Whatever we, we've, we've but, gone over this. But can you, I mean, like, do you have any sense of the, like, there was no such thing as romantic love in the way that we know it within marriages at that time. I mean, there just wasn't. Oh, you're smiling. You're just like. <laughs> Unless you were truly in love. Whatever. We agreed, would, agreed to if disagree. If Arthur hadn't died, she would have spent her life being queen with Arthur. Yeah, but maybe she didn't love him. We can we can't ask Anne or Catherine because she's gone. She was but six years older than Henry when she married him. He I can, was a I can, teenager, I can, and she I was can in her mid twenties. Through the through the dramatization of um, you know twenty first century uh, filmmaking. God, you kill me. <laughs> I just can't even. I just can't. All right. So the French queen really wouldn't meet Anne. No, the front, there was nobody to receive her. And actually, oh, she they, she couldn't leave Calais because oh, no. she couldn't go onto French soil because she they would wouldn't have been, even allow it. Well, no, it's like they would have allowed it, but it would have been such a snub to her that like who would have received her? The maid. Yeah. You know, like yeah. she's here being shown off as the future queen of England yeah. and who's going to meet her? Some minor some, duchess some, of some something. Some lady named Tanya. Exactly. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't even leave Calais because, yeah. yeah so No offense to anyone named Tanya. I just, it's just random. I used name. to work with a Tanya. Yeah. I was really good friends with a Tanya growing up. Nice. Um, and do, do you think like the, the, the French king was like, oh, they, they changed their mind. I mean, do you think they ever in No, the first it was place... actually a big deal that they didn't. Okay. Yeah, she knew from the get-go. That she was not going to yeah, meet Yeah, it her. was going to be an issue. It was an issue from the start of who was going to meet her. Uh-huh. And everyone just kept bailing, like, I'm not meeting her. I ain't Yeah, pretty her. much. I'm not accepting her. And I think that would have been really hard for her because, you know, she grew up at the mm-hmm. French court. Mm-hmm. So these are, like, people that she knew and admired and served. So the women of, of the French court agree with me. No, the women of the French court do not agree with you in terms of true love. The women of the French court agree with 
queenship. They, they don't want to get the, they don't want to get booted themselves exactly, for the new also, Anne on the block. <laughs> Francis had squidzilla. I mean, he had like yeah. he had every kind of venereal disease possible to get <laughs> because of all of his mistresses. Yeah. Yeah, there. It's it's not necessarily that they thought Catherine was in love. It was from one monarch to another. You can't do this to monarchs. All right. Honestly. <laughs> okay, it's and like then this true love story between Henry and Anne for you. You're uh, like, I'm obsessed. I I just don't understand it. It's the Spanish in me when we live in Spain, so I feel slighted. Um, last question. Brandon, I, I guess we already touched on it, but like Brandon and Boleyn, Thomas Boleyn and yeah. Charles Brandon seem to have some mad beef with each other. Yes, they yeah, seem they to do. not get along. And was that? Like well, a, that's what we talked about. Yeah. Okay. They, okay so we covered there that. There was a lot going on there in that relationship. All right. Well, those are right. all my questions for this episode. Awesome. So you've brought up some interesting themes here. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to say a quick little note on the idea of romance and and stuff at that time period, right? Because okay. you, you kind of brought this up. Yes. So people, especially nobility, did not expect to find love as we know it in a marriage. You married for dynastic reasons. Mm -hmm. You married for money. You married for land. You married to merge families into an even greater future family. Yeah. And you, of course, were supposed to love your spouse, as was the duty from the Bible, but you did not expect to get romantic love from mm -hmm. your spouse. And that's where this whole thing of courtly love came in. And that's what would undo Anne, because Anne played the courtly love game and it, did, it didn't go well for her. But, um, you know, people would would have you would say you will you be my mistress right but that didn't necessarily mean in the literal sense it meant yeah. like can i write you love poems and we'll yep. flirt with each other at court and like because we're around the same age as each other and i kind of like you yeah and i'm married to like this, this, this 15 year old years older than me guy who that, i got exactly. set up with and we can't stand each other exactly and so you know i i just i just want to touch on that that it was very the whole realm of courtly love, there was a whole game that had rules associated with it and, and everything like what different terminology meant and could I serve you as my mistress versus, you know, I will give up any other mistress for you. And like just all of this stuff meant different stuff. Mm -hmm. And there were all these rules about it. Now, common people could marry for love. And, and a lot of times noble people would, you know, be jealous of common people because they could marry for love. Mm -hmm. But of course, the um, the pool that you had to choose from as a commoner was like really small, right? Because you lived in a little village and yeah. you never traveled. So you weren't going to go off and meet somebody. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to to touch on that because you, okay. you talked about that. And I just want to throw in in defense of myself, you know, everyone yes. knows different, different things. So I may not know much about history. Oh God. Are you going to say, you know, a lot about love? No, <laughs> okay. no. I just, I just think that I bet a lot of people have never even heard of like rings in the group theory, like meaning of them in mathematics. Oh, I see. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's some pretty poetic, beautiful stuff going on with numbers in, uh, and things like that and a lot of people have never even heard of that and no, you know, for sure. i'm not judging them on it so so don't judge so me don't on my judge absolute you. lack of common knowledge about anything that happened before last week <laughs> <laughs> so yeah to that person who wrote that review he's not faking <laughs> no i'm really not and 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 look up rings it's it's there's some pretty cool stuff going on there awesome Okay, well, thanks for listening. Remember to check out watchingthetutors.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. 
And thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye.